Hi, this is Randy Wimmer, and welcome to the Entrepreneur Sound Off. Today's topic deals with transition, contract transition. And I'm going to do a series on this because I believe that contract transition is not only the most terrifying aspect of government contracting, where it where you can literally win yourself out of business if you don't know how to successfully transition a contract that you just won. However, it's also a great opportunity on your proposal to differentiate you and the incumbent from the rest of the pack. So let's talk a little bit about why it's so terrifying. It is terrifying because you just want a contract. And even though your proposal says that you have all this great and wonderful knowledge about what the hell's going on, uh, that may not be necessarily true. And even if you are very, very, very familiar with that organization and their mission area, it is a Herculean task to go from having zero employees at day one of a 30-day transition period and then being fully staffed and executing the contract better than the incumbent was. Just literally 30 days later, it is terrifying. Absolutely 100% terrifying. Now, there's a lot of things that have to happen. And I tell people, if you don't have a transition plan, and I'm not talking about the one that you propose, the one that you could propose Hey, if you can actually use that one, then that's great. Then, you know, you feel really good about yourself because what you presented and what you proposed was the actual real thing. But you have to have you have to have something that is 100 percent executable. And I know there's this game that you have to play. It's just like I just submitted my proposal. Okay, I've got, in essence, somewhere between two to three months before they make an award decision. So I got two to three months. I could be preparing a transition for that contract, or I could be using that level of effort to be writing the next contract proposal. So most of the time, the transition plan is basically forgotten until the contracting officer calls up the CEO of the company and says, congratulations. And at that point, um, I call that the oh shit squared moment. <laughs> like, oh shit, we won. And then it's like, oh shit, we won. Now what are we going to do? And you're going to feel like that dog chasing the car. And now you got a teeth full of chrome bumper. And you're wondering, what the hell am I going to do with this? So again, transition, very terrifying. Um, I, there are a few things that I, I would like to talk about regarding transition. If you're a small business and you were just awarded something that's just a little bit bigger than what you're used to, or if this is your first big win, then you need to have an infrastructure plan. And this is something that you can't create once you found out that you've been awarded. You've got to have a plan in place for all of the infrastructure that you're going to require so that when you get that phone call from the contracting officer, you pull that plan out. And it could be a binder, it could be a you know a document, it could be a folder with multiple documents. It's gotta be you know whatever works for you. 
but you got to pull that out and you got to start making phone calls to start implementing things. For example, um, benefits. A lot of small businesses, when they are a subcontractor with only a couple of people, they're not offering benefits to their employees. Now, all of a sudden, you just won a large prime contract and boom, you know, <laughs> that's the expectation. You're not going to be able to attract a large number of people, especially um, a very targeted, specific group of people. You got to hire those people the incumbents or as many of them as you can. And many of those people are dependent upon employee based benefits. So, uh, excuse me, employer based benefits where it's the provided by the employer. So if you don't have a strategy, if you don't have a phone number that you, um, <laughs> that you've already used before to get all the information that you can, you already decided what vendor you're going to go with. Are you going to go with a PEO, professional employment organization, or are you going to go with a broker, or are you going to do this, or are you going to go, you know, do that? It, you already have to have that decided, which one you're going to go with. And not only do you have to know which one you decide um, that you that you uh, decided to go with, but you also have to know what's entailed to get it turned on. If you don't know what's entailed, then you'll never get it done. Because if you're learning instead of doing, you just run out of time. You know, this is a 30-day transition. You got to get this stuff set up now so you can start, you know, bringing on employees as, uh, you know, as your contract uh, people. So in the case of benefits administration, frequently there's underwriting. You know, with all your employees, they got to submit a medical form when you're starting out um, in order to be able to get a new benefits package. That's terrifying, you know, and it's a lot of information that you got to request from your employees. Now, it's a lot easier to request this this information as a person is going through the hiring process when they're worried about not getting a job, you know, than it is when you know it's, you know two months later and they're already a little bit disgruntled because they don't have benefits right now or they had to go with Cobra, this really crazy expensive. Or what have you and then what what's happening is is um you know now you're asking for all this personal medical information uh to fill out these long you know long forms and you only got one shot of that you know usually employees will do that once if you happen to do that twice because you're shopping around and you haven't got quotes yet and you haven't you know like oh man i don't know this is kind of expensive is this the going rate or maybe we can get it cheaper if you got to go through all of that the second time wow you're going to have some really upset employees. So things like that, you've got to be able to do that. The big thing is financing. How are you going to pay these people? I guarantee you it's going to be at least two months before you get paid. If you start on January 1st, your employees, let's say your best case scenario and you started uh, on day one of that transition period, boom, you have people working the full team on January 1st. Well, guess what? Hey. Employees are, are greedy bastards. They want to get paid every payday. Can you believe that? Wow, the audacity of these people. You know, they work and they want to get paid every payday. They don't, you know, they don't want to, they don't want to forget any or skip any. You got to pay these people. You know, they're working hard. So you're paying them on the 15th. Well, you haven't even finished the, the invoicing period yet. So you finish the invoicing period um, on January 31st. 
And then on the first, what you start to do is you start closing your books. Well, guess what happens on the first? You got to pay them again. So now you're closing your books. You're taking care of those in the month deliverables and um, you submit them. Guess what? If you didn't clear the format and this very specific information that each one of the, your customers on that contract want, they're going to reject your contract, you know, uh, deliverable. They, they are. And it's going to put you all, you know, at the very beginning of the process again. Now, that happened to me on my very first prime contract. My prime, I mean, my, my end of month deliverables were rejected. And, you know, I was kind of blindsided by that. I'm thinking like, my God, I just hired the incumbent team. How could that be? Obviously, they knew what the hell was going on. Well, the contract changed a little bit, you know, from the last contract to, to, to the new one that was being recompeted. And the old, um, you know, the, the incumbent team that I had just rehired, well, they were doing it in accordance with the last contract um, of what was requested and not the new one. So my, you know, my, my deliverables, my end of month deliverables were rejected. And wow, that's just starting me down a downward spiral. And um, it just, it took me literally months to get paid for my first, uh, for my first months of work on that contract. So if you don't have, I'm talking about like, three times more cash reserves than what you think you need, then then you're hurting. Uh, you've got to have something in place, whatever that is. If you can go get a small business loan, go get it. If you can, you know, pass the hat around friends and family and have them, you know, fund your, your first few months of payroll, hey, that's great. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> I tried passing the hat and I came back with nothing in it uh, with my friends and family. So. Um, at the last second, man, I was desperate, and uh, it, it was a last resort, and it usually is for people, uh, it, and that is factory. And basically, I was selling my invoices in order to be able to get money. Um, because when the government says net 30, a lot of organizations believe that means exactly 30 days. So getting paid net 30, that means after all your deliverables are approved, then the government will submit it for payment and then that's when the quote-unquote net 30 kicks in so what i was thinking because i was naive i you know i i'd been with big businesses in the past that we had large, won like large contracts but you know i wasn't down in that nitinoid level of you know when do we actually get paid you know my job was to win it um and it was somebody else's you know job to really sweat those little details out <laughs> and those little details almost won me out of business. So infrastructure, um, if again, that's part of your infrastructure plan. It really is getting that financing in place. So think about all those different things that you're going to need in order to make this happen. And you got to have a plan for it. Uh, we developed a, a pretty decent plan, you know, after a couple of big wins. Um, where we already had a cookbook, we had a process. Uh, that it was part of our ISO 9001 system, and that process, you know, we had everything. We we had already figured out how we were going to onboard large numbers of people. We were going to do it at a local, you know, a hotel. We were going to rent out their conference rooms. We were going to do interviews, you know, in the lobby area, um, you know, with, with a team of you know my corporate office people. We already had templates that showed 
exactly what our salary band ranges were for each position. Um, and, it, you know, we, we had it all clipped out. We, we, we accepted their, their information um, as soon as they came in. We, we did their I-9 verification. We did all of that stuff, and it was like an assembly line. And these people, they would come in with their resume and their identification, their W-2s, you know, so, um, you know, we could verify that whatever, you know, we wanted to at least match their their previous year's, you know, salary. Now, if you come in with somebody who says, no, I was really getting paid, and they lie, they say they were making 20000 more, and you give them $20,000 more, it's usually at the expense of somebody else. So we were trying to, you know, you try to be as fair as you can. That's why you ask for, like, W-2 forms um, um, to, to verify what their actual salaries were. And we had an assembly line. You got to think this stuff through. If you don't, you are going to be hurting in the worst possible way. The second, uh, not the second, uh, the other thing that you got to start to think about is um, how are you going to make sure that the people who are sitting in those seats that you're going to try to rebadge um, didn't didn't get another job and they're walking off the job site or worse yet frequently what happens is is uh during you know bid proposal time people get kind of antsy and cold feet and they start looking for jobs because they don't want to deal with that risk they they want to make sure they're not dependent upon their company winning or maybe somebody offering them a job afterwards but not knowing for how much so they take their destiny in their own hands and they usually leave before the contract um, period is up, and the the incumbent, they're not going to replace those people not until they find out whether or not they win. You know, so there's all kinds of different things that you've got to uh, to, to worry about. How are you going to do knowledge transfer? So what you have to do is you got to figure out the questions that you you need to ask each one of those employees to really squeeze out every bit of knowledge that they have for that contract. Because in many cases, um, or not many, but, you know, well, it's many, many is a relative term. It's many if it's just one. If uh, it's too many, if it's just one, um, if, if you really need that person. But you have to have a way to capture the necessary knowledge for each one of those positions. And that's, becomes a lot more challenging when that person's not even there. So now you got to come up with a strategy of how do you get that information? So if you only interview the people who are left, then the people who are gone, all those vacant positions, you have no knowledge transfer from those. So you got to figure out a strategy. What we did is we literally had a form for each, for each position. And what we would do is we, let's say they had three systems administrators. Well, we would have three different people interview those three different systems administrator, uh, administrators, have them fill out um, a question and answer form that we had already had created. So we would get all of the information from all three of those. And then what we would do is we'd integrate that information and upload it to a portal that we were using. So that is vitally important because on that 31st day, uh, that 31st day, <laughs> After you're awarded that contract and that contract starts and the transition period is over, 
It's the next day after that transition period is over. That is terrifying. Then it's you. It is 100% you. I remember I was a program uh, director for a pretty large one. It was a $115 million prime contract. And um, I, I, I'd helped lead, you know, the, the, the win of it. And, um, and <laughs> we were so ill. I, this was not my company. I was an employee of the company. And we were so ill prepared to, to actually do the work. They said, well, Randy, why don't you lead it? <laughs> you know, we, we need somebody to lead it. And you know more about it because, you, you know, you, you were heavily involved with the proposal effort. And, you know, you, you're the best shot that we have for success. And you go in there, you're, you're now the man. You're now running it. So I walk into this massive contract. Transition was horrible. Um, you know, half the time I was spending doing a tap dance. I have no idea. Well, I'll tell you how lucky we were. It was going to be protested. It was, it was, it was protested. And it was because of that protest, it saved our butt. You know, we would have fallen flat on our face if, if there was no protest. But that protest, now we had an excuse. Like, uh, you know, they're, 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 you know, we can't rebadge the, the, you know, the incumbent employees. Their, their employers are playing hardball with them, saying that they're, that they are uh, protesting, and if they accept a job with us, that when then, you know, when the protest is accepted, then they're going to be without a job because they're not going to be hired back. So now they're, they're scaring their people. So thank God that happened, because had that not happened, I have no idea how we would have you know, been successful. But I remember being the quote unquote man after, you know, while this protest was, was going on and, or the, the threat of a protest was going on. And then ultimately it was, uh, um, it was protested, but the government said, nope, still go ahead, still go ahead. Randy, we understand it's under protest and that the incumbent's not playing ball with you, but we are moving forward in the end of, you know, transition this day. So, you know, bottom line is, is we played equally hardball with these people. And gosh, yeah, it was, it's horrible. We said, hey, if you don't come over now, we got to fill you with somebody else. Because, you know, the transition period is over on this day. If you're not over by that day, then, you know, we'll, you know, another conference room um, will be available with with attorneys in it. If you want to talk with, a, with an employment attorney to see what your rights are, you know, nobody can prevent you from working or from changing company. That You, you have that right. Nobody here's an indentured ser servant, you know, to the incumbent, you know, contracting company. So, you know, we, we finally we, we finally convinced the employees, you know, uh, the incumbent employees to come over to our side, and they did that. But I remember the fear that I felt the day after that transition period, when it was me that was going to get that phone call when when things were falling apart, and I remember leaving, you know. On that last day of that transition period, that literally was closed the business. Boom! Now it was on me. So that was the first evening that I had, you know, nobody else to blame. It was, you know, transition period was over. We were the contractor, and we didn't know really what we were doing. We did not manage that transition very effectively, and um, and that happens. You know, we were a small business, and a small business with a hundred and fifteen million dollar contract. You know that's that's a pretty big, you know that, that's a pretty big task. Uh, but but we were woefully unprepared, you know, for that for that contract transition. And luckily, again, luckily we had the incumbent um, not playing playing nicely. 
um, because of the protest and to, to blame our ineptitude, <laughs> um, you know, on. so you don't, you don't want to bank on that. Uh, that's a, that's a bad way to be. So you have to have a knowledge transfer strategy. And again, what we used was a, um, just a questionnaire with a whole bunch of questions that we'd already thought through. What do we need to get from that systems administrator, uh, systems administrator to do his job? What information? And so, so we did that. The other thing is, um, again, I've already kind of talked about search hiring. You know, even if, even if all of the incumbents say, okay, yeah, we'll come over the amount of work that goes to rebadging and rehiring people that are already immediately available is still really manpower intensive and it's an administrative nightmare. Like I said, we kind of cracked the code on how to do that with having a hotel um, nearby and, you know, renting out a couple of conference rooms where we could do that kind of stuff. And we just literally had a, a team there, a tiger team that would, and we scheduled times and say, okay, um, we're going to be available between, you know, before your work hours, you know, we'll be available between six and nine. And then we'll be available during your lunch break. We'll be available between 11 and two. And then we'll be available after working hours, you know, from, you know, from four o'clock on until the evening until, you know, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. And, you know, that's when we were there. There were some long days, but here's the deal. If you're a small business owner and you just want a big contract, a very large contract, you're willing to do whatever it takes because that contract, that one contract can make you a multimillionaire very, very easily. So creating generational wealth is on the line. <laughs> uh, so it's needless to say that the anxiety levels will be spiking. The only thing that can help mitigate those, those anxiety levels a little bit is to know that you have a plan. So, and then finally, um, um, beyond the, the, the knowledge transfer and the search hiring, you have to have a continuity of service plan. And that means while the incumbent's doing things and you're subsuming some things, you, you can't be pointing the finger at each other and say, oh, I thought you were doing it. Because ultimately, you're the one responsible and there's nothing more than the incumbent loves than to see balls being dropped by the new guy who just came in because they're just sitting there and they're saying like, you know, like, hey, you know, at any point, you know, government customer, you could pull the plug on this, give the contract back to us. And it's, you know, it's smooth sailing, just like it was a few months ago. And they're just sitting there waiting and hoping, um, you know, that'll happen. So what you have to do is you got to prevent that from happening. You got to be very, very, very proactive. You got to go in and you have to have a three-way discussion. You know, your executive team, the incumbent's executive team, and you've got to present information to our proposal to your customer, to the government customer, and you have to say, I propose that we take over on the 17th day of the transition period, this service offering. So that means whatever incumbent employees that you have, you know, incumbent executive team, then we need to have them rebadged and showing up 
on the on the 17th day as our employee. And so you, you've got to kind of map this out when you're going to take it from the incumbent. Uh, now, the incumbent, they have a couple different ways to look at this thing. They can say, well, you know, we don't want to give it up way too fast because, you know, if we get up too fa- uh, give it up too fast, then we're not getting those billable hours. And, you know, you, you could also be making the argument, too, that you don't want to take it too fast because if you take it, you got to pay for that person and you haven't ironed out your invoicing yet. So you, you may not want that big first payroll. You, you may want to, you know, wait, maybe have a small um, first payroll during the transition period and then the big one, you know, ultimately everybody, you know, for the second one. So there's there's different ways that you have to look at that. And you've got to customize a strategy that fits your particular situation. So what uh, so what we kind of did is <laughs> is that kind of, you know, the, the intent was to not, not to scare you a little bit, but is to, to talk about some of the challenges of, of contract transition. Now, the next podcast, what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about the opportunities that a transition plan, a very, very, very effective one. And even if they don't ask for a transition plan, because, my God, I am stunned by how many times the government only thinks about the steady state requirements of a contract and not the beginning and ends of a contract where um, they have the absolute most risk, which is the transition periods. And they they don't address that at all in request for proposal. Um, so I, I don't want to steal my thunder for the next podcast, but I will say this. If the government forgets to, to mention transition, the incumbent won't. That will be one of their major win themes. And their major win themes will be, hey, the last day of this contract is going to look just like the first day of the other one. It'll be seamless, 100% seamless. You know, um, that's what you get with us. To transition this complex, large, you know, uh, contract, you know, poses tremendous risk. Yeah, so that's that's going to be what they're what they're saying. And I I used to tell my folks um, that you'll never win the contract unless you show that you can take it from the incumbent without dropping any balls. And uh, so that's what we're going to talk about in the next podcast. So have a good evening. Talk to you soon.